As we come to to this Easter Sunday and uh, hear the account that Luke has given of uh, Jesus having risen from the dead, I kind of thought there is so much that has been said and can be said that is so fantastic about the resurrection. One thing that, that struck me, though, is as I was kind of uh, preparing for this, um, I, was, I was sitting at home, uh, at a desk at, at home, and uh, Angela was about to go out, and she just uh, came and said to me, when the oven beeps, could you just go through and turn it down to 150? And I thought, I'm going to forget that. I'd better write it down. So I wrote it on a piece of paper, and uh, sure enough, the oven beeps, and I sort of sat there for a minute, and oh yeah, I'm supposed to go in. Went through, and I thought, what temperature did you say? So I went back down, and I, thankfully I'd written it on a piece of paper, and I knew it was 150 degrees. We need reminders. I mean, maybe you've got a better memory than me, but we need reminders. Often this table is set with bread and wine as a reminder of Jesus saying to his first followers, this is my body, broken for you. This blood is the new covenant shed in my blood. We need reminders. It's a funny old symbol that we have as a, a kind of a central symbol of our Christian faith, isn't it? A cross, an instrument of brutal and bloody torture. It's not a nice thing. We make them rather nice, and that's fine. But actually, it was horrific. It was awful. But we need reminders because we're human. In this uh, passage in Luke 24, we meet a group of women. And just as an aside, one of the most compelling things of the scriptural accounts of, of the resurrection is that actually it was given to women to give that account in an, in an era where women's testimony was not accepted. If people wanted to make this stuff up, they would not have said that it was the women that came and gave testimony. And yet the women were the ones who had the privilege of seeing that Jesus is alive. Here we see them going, broken-hearted, going to the tomb to do what was right for a dead friend. They were scratching their heads. They were wondering what could have happened. When we get to verse 6, when the two men in clothes meet the women, And they say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee. He 
each of the Gospels records that Jesus says time and again, listen, I'm here now, but I'm going to be arrested. I am going to be crucified. And three days later, I am going to rise again. But they forgot in their sorrow, in their anguish, they forgot. But it wasn't just them. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. They came back from the tomb and they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them told this to the apostle. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Careful, Luke. It wasn't just the women that forgot. All of Jesus' followers had forgotten that this was part of Jesus' plan. This was part of the will of God. Not my will, but yours, he said. They still hadn't understood. And then I love this. It's it's a little account that's full of humanity, which is just great, because aren't we a room full of human beings? Fallible. I love this little bit. Peter, however, verse 12, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over, He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Why? Why did Peter decide that that was what he was going to do? I just wonder, back in Luke 7, whether this might just give a little bit of a clue. Back in Luke 7, we see the story of another Simon, Simon the Pharisee, and a sinful woman. And in verses 41 to 43, Jesus talks a little parable to the Pharisee and the sinful woman. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender, Jesus said. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled just wonder that day Peter began to realise the enormity of his debt as on the Friday he denied Jesus three times as he let his Lord, his Master, the one he had said, you are the Christ you are the Messiah, he let him down who knows Don't know, we we don't have that in scripture, but it just struck me. Was 
Peter more aware of his sin that day. And he thought, I've got to go. I've got to, I've got to do something. And I want us to just reflect this Easter morning. Are we aware of our sin? Do we feel the weight of someone that maybe owes 500 denarii? Do we feel the incredible release of forgiveness because we feel we've a lot to be forgiven for? Or do we maybe feel, well, actually, I'm an okay kind of a person. I know I do stuff wrong, but, you know. And maybe the impact of this empty cross and this empty tomb is something that you need to be reminded of this morning. Because this is news that is incredibly important. And maybe today we just need to be reminded... I came across a a, a video clip that I just thought powerfully explains the power of the good news of Jesus. So I thought we'd watch that and then just reflect on it for a few moments. Steve, would you be able to um, fire that up for us? It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told. God. Yes? God. The maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance. Seen and unseen. What can and can be touched. Thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans. God. All of it is handiwork. One of which is masterpiece. Made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery. The concept so cold. It's the reason I stay bold. How God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond. Creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job. An odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working. And used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature... Your species, you participated in the mutiny, our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it and how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It'll need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer. An asthma choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us, 
Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. But all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list. Because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is someone die in your place. And that someone got to be perfect or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness. His death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone, I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in Him, and Him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. Might require a little bit of translation for some, but uh, God, our sins. God our sins, paying everyone life. Let's just dwell on those things for just a moment. At Easter, our focus is on God. It's no coincidence that that, that first Easter took place during the Jewish feast of Passover, when Jews were called to remember God. And his faithfulness in setting them free from captivity. We remember God at Easter. But time and again, we, us, ourselves, take the very breath that we were given and turn it against God. We make life about us, our stuff. that's what sin is. Sin, the very thing that separates us from God. We can't minimise it. 
And yes, we can, we can try to, to kind of say, well, you know, I do, I pray and I chant and I meditate, as the guy was saying, I do all these good things, but none of those good things makes us acceptable before God. How do we end up thinking that our attempts at doing good will make us good enough? The only way for us to be able to relate to our perfect, wonderful creator God is that our sin is dealt with. And that's the heart of Easter. Our sin is dealt with. I love the image of payment that that guy took on, even though perhaps it's a, a kind of a dying thing. But Good Friday, a cheque was written. We don't write too many cheques anymore, do we? But a cheque was written to pay. And it was put down. And a cheque takes a few days to clear, doesn't it? To go from one bank account to the other. But the risen Lord Jesus proclaimed that the payment has cleared. He has paid the price and he has conquered death. So what are we to do with that? There's an invitation for every one of us to respond. Not everyone will, but the invitation is there for every one of us to see that Jesus came to die in our place, to rise again so that we might have life in all its fullness. Not just now, but in eternity. But we need reminding, don't we? We need reminding because we keep on messing up. We need to keep coming back to the empty cross, the empty tomb, And with God's help, as we've looked through the book of Acts, as he ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit to help us, mould us, change us, transform us, let us not be complacent, but let us, let us ask the Lord Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, to day by day transform us. Make us more and more like him. In this room, the gifts and talents and influence is just unmentionably wonderful. What we've been given is fantastic. And if we allow the Lord Jesus to work in our lives, transforming us day by day, then we can continue and be ever more of a blessing to others. Will you let the good news of Easter penetrate into your life in every single bit? Not just the Sunday bit or the religious bit but in the going out and having fun bit, in the going off to work bit, in the going off to school or college bit, in the making decisions about our lives bit, will you, 
allow the Lord Jesus to reign. Maybe you've never acknowledged Jesus before. Maybe you've never recognised that actually you sin, that you fall short of the perfection that God made you to, to be. Maybe today, this Easter, is a time to recognise that. To respond to the free gift better than a thousand Easter eggs. Gift of life. Life in all its fullness. Perhaps you have allowed him into your life. You've asked him to to be your Lord and Saviour, but there's still stuff that you just... Keep at arm's length. You say, yeah, yeah, but not that bit, Lord. Can't give you that bit. It's like walking with shackles. If you're not letting God in. Maybe today, you need to allow those shackles to be let go of. Maybe this morning you are rejoicing because you know just how incredible the goodness of God is this Easter time. And I would encourage you to just ask the Lord to cement that in your heart this Easter. Never asked you to do this before, but I'm going to ask you today, would you stand as we finish our time together? I've never been comfortable with saying stand if you want to respond to to what the Lord has been saying to you. But maybe just if you're able to stand, that's just wonderful. If it's not possible, that's fine. The Lord knows your heart. But just as we stand before the living God today, the risen Lord Jesus, perhaps there is a, a, a... a sense in which you need to release stuff into his hands. You might see people sometimes raising their hands, lifting their hands out, and maybe you do that today just to physically say, yeah, Lord, I I, I give that into your hands. It's yours. Maybe it's I give myself into your hands. Pause a moment. Lord, thank you that you know us so well that we need your reminders. We need to be reminded of your awesome, incredible, life-changing work that took place that Easter weekend. Lord, you bore the weight of our sin on that cross. In that tomb, you took upon yourself our death. But Lord, death could not hold you. And you rose from the dead. 
Lord, would you help us this Easter to recognise afresh the wonder of the good news of your death and resurrection, of your life that continues today and the promise of life everlasting. Lord, would you mould us and shape us? Would you help us, Lord? Meet us where we are and help us to take a step forward into your presence. Oh, Lord, thank you for this Easter day. Thank you for all that we celebrate in it. Thank you that you are here now. Thank you that for each one who turns to you and says, Lord, forgive me. Lord, that forgiveness is on offer. Let's share together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.